Rose and Spurs Cast, episode 563. My name is Paul Garcia, and I am your host here on the Spurs Cast. Today, I'll be joined by Project Spurs writer Steven Anderson. Steven and I will be discussing the Spurs' play in their last four games, Lonnie Walker's breakout performance against Houston, and we'll be spending a portion of the episode highlighting Jakob Pertl's play in his second season with the Spurs. Let's dive into this episode. Steven, how are you doing today? Hey, Paul, how are you doing? Good to be with you. I'm doing well. Awesome, man. Uh, yeah, let's go ahead and d- jump right into this. Uh, since the Spurs, since the last Spurs cast that I recorded, which was right before the holiday week, uh, the Spurs have gone 2-2 two and two in their games. They fell to Minnesota by 12 last Wednesday. They defeated the Clippers last Friday by 10 at home. They got blown out by Detroit by 34 points without LaMarcus Aldridge on Sunday. But then they bounced back on, uh, uh, what was it, Tuesday evening against the Houston Rockets, and they, and they beat the Rockets in double overtime, uh, 135-133. As I mentioned, Lonnie Walker has a breakout game. Uh, let's begin here with this Houston game, Stephen, and really dive into this thing. So, like I mentioned, Tuesday against Houston, they get the win. Uh, double overtime, no Aldridge again. So they're down by as many as 22 in the, in the third quarter. It looks like it's just over. One play that kind of just stuck with me is I remember Austin Rivers just grabs a rebound. He heads to the three-point line instead of just going for a layup and just makes a three. I was like, wow, they're just getting, you know, they're just getting clobbered again here at home and the Spurs look terrible. But then in the fourth quarter, the Spurs, uh, with the, in the last seven minutes of the quarter, Lonnie Walker scores 19 of, their, uh, of his 28 points in that quarter to end the quarter. He actually scored the last eight points for the Spurs, which forced overtime. He did that while having to guard James Harden for the majority of the possessions in the fourth quarter. Um, so basically within less than two minutes, the Spurs are able to come back from down eight and they forced overtime. You know, they, they, they end up tied again in the first overtime and the second overtime they end up winning the, the game. Um, so before we get into the whole controversy uh, that we're going to talk about in a little bit about the, the whether or not this is actually going to be a win, uh, just tell me your thoughts on this game and, and Lonnie's performance and stuff like that. Well, actually, I was in class because I had uh, I'm in grad school. For those of you guys who don't know, so I watched the game on replay, already knowing the outcome of the game. Actually, so um, after seeing it happen, I was like, okay, well, I, like you said, Paul, they're down 22. I'm thinking, okay, it's over because we've seen the Spurs do this many times when they, they're, they're losing. They just can't manage to get a win, and especially when they're down double digits. I mean, you put the stats out all the time. I think they have like what a one win when they're down double digits. I but mean, before that Rockets game, yeah, they had one win. They were like one and thirteen or one fourteen. It was it was really bad. Yeah, so I mean, that's what I was thinking. Okay, they're probably going to lose, and I get home right as the fourth quarter starts, and I put it on. I see Lonnie Walker going crazy, and I'm like, I'm, first of all, I'm glad Pop put him in because what's the worst that could happen? And then he goes off and proves what I've been saying for the longest time on Twitter. For those of you guys who follow me on Twitter, I've been saying it. Lonnie needs to earn his minutes. He's not going to be out there unless he earns his minutes. And that's exactly what he did against the Rockets. He went out there and proved he can play with the best of the best. I mean, Pop trusted him enough to put him on James Harden in that fourth quarter. Uh, He had a steal that looked a lot like Kawhi Leonard. I'm not going to lie. Um, so, I mean, he played very, very well overall. The Spurs, I think, played the best in that second half I've seen them play. Well, take it back. From the midpoint of the third quarter on, they played yeah. very, very well. And, I mean, what, what, I think that's the best basketball I've seen them play as, as a collective unit all season. And Pop said after the game, was like, we just need – this is the team we can be if we just need to be consistent. And that's what I'm wondering, Paul, is that can this team be consistent? I mean, you said it yourself – you just said it. They lost a 34 against uh, Detroit, come back and beat Houston, a very, very good Houston Rockets team, uh, in double overtime. So can this first team be consistent is what my main concern is right now because so far we haven't, we have not seen them go on that big winning streak that we're used to seeing them go on. 
Yeah, and, and you know that's definitely a thing, especially too. Like after they got beat by Minnesota at home, they looked they looked they didn't play well that night, and then all of a sudden they beat the Clippers, who were like you know a team that might win the finals. Uh, they beat with Kawhi and Paul George in the lineup. They couldn't even beat them without Paul George in, in L.A. So yeah, this team is very inconsistent. I think that's what you want to see is whether or not they can carry this momentum forward um, and try to get back because you know they're not far out of the eight seed. So even though the record looks terrible, what six games under five hundred, they're still just a few games out of the, from the eight seed. They can still get get back into the playoff picture if they can just put some consistency and this this. Den- this this um, December home stretch should help them where they're going to have a, I want to say it's like, like 16 games in the month only or something like that. It's, it's yeah. a really small amount of games compared to less uh, compared to I know I think it's like 12 games because they played like 16 last month. Anyway, there's like a bunch of days off in between games. It's, it should help them kind of rest up, replenish and also get some practice time. Now, this Spurs win isn't technically a win just yet. You know, I, I know it says they're, they're on the schedule, but the Rockets actually aren't letting it just go forward as an official win. Um, you know, you and I recorded this, Stephen, on uh, Thursday evening, and, and news has recently bro- broke by the Houston Chronicle that the Rockets are going to go ahead and file a protest uh, with the NBA uh, regarding the last 750 um, minutes of this game. Uh, because you know there was a play there where James Harden gets a steal on a Spurs opponent. I mean, on a Spurs possession, he takes it down the court and it looks like an easy dunk. Well, he dunks it, but it's so fast and like so weirdly, it just kind of goes in and out and it, it basically flies out of the rim. So, so the refs thought that it wasn't a dunk. So then you know they, they review the play and, and they, they basically take they, they don't give the Rockets those points. So the, so the Rockets didn't get those free two points. Well, then after the game, the referees actually acknowledged to a pool reporter that. Um, you know, that that should have been a dunk, that the ball did go in and out, even though it was so fast and weird, that it, it should have been um, called a dunk. And they said that Mike D'Antoni didn't wave the challenge sign within the, a certain amount of time. So there's all this controversy going on. So now the Rockets have officially um, actually um, filed a protest uh, to the NBA. And so um, there's just a few outcomes that might happen. You know, maybe uh, nothing could basically happen, uh, which it might probably be the most obvious choice for the NBA. Um the, the the NBA could make both teams play the last 750 of the game, which is kind of what the Rockets want. And in, in a very, very rare circumstance, would the NBA actually overturn the win for the Spurs and just give the Houston the, the win? That's probably not. That's probably the least likely option to happen with this. So now the Spurs and Rockets are, are going to have five days to provide evidence uh, to support each of their, their arguments. And then uh, Adam Silver is going to be the one who has to make this decision. So, so what did you think about this, Stephen? The Rockets just not letting a, a December uh, loss just happen and having to, to file this complaint. Well, I mean, Paul, you know, it, it's typical Houston. <laughs> I mean, I don't mean to be disrespectful, but I mean, it's typical Houston where, I mean, there's that story, we all hear it every season, that the Houston Rockets care more about the regular season than they do the playoffs, and that's that's a narrative that's been, that's been going around for quite some time. And so that's what this is to me. I mean, it's one game in the regular season. I mean, uh, the Rockets are going to be in the playoffs. I mean, they're going to be top five for sure. I mean, I understand you want home court, you want all that stuff, but one game is going to make a difference, and you want that win, especially against a rival, a Southwest Division rival. But is it really worth protesting about when you lost in double overtime, when you had two chances to get the win? I mean, if it was just regulation loss, I could see them protesting, but it was double overtime. You literally had two extra periods to get a win, and you couldn't do it. So, I mean, that's where I think it's it's kind of pointless. I don't see a situation, as you said, where they're just going to give them the win. I don't see them even playing the last, or was it 750? I don't even see them playing that either. I mean, I think they're just going to provide the evidence and whatever happens, happens. But, I mean, I don't see this being overturned at all. I mean, I know they have five days in between um, the NBA getting the stuff and then Adam Silver making his decision, I, I, from my understanding in the, in, uh, the article. So, um, I don't see it being overturned. I think this is all just a waste of time, honestly. 
Yeah, and you know, my my argument is is this like it, it's very much like uh, whenever the Spurs, you know, I see people get upset with the Spurs whenever they they lose, like, and they barely lose games. Uh, you know, when they say, "Oh, the foul calls and blah blah blah," it's like you shouldn't be down by twenty points. You know, get yourself in these holes. So, yeah. so that's why I don't I don't feel sorry for Houston. You were up by twenty two points. You should have just won this game easily, and then you let San Antonio just come back there. And you know, within the last uh, less than two minutes left, you still had an eight point lead. It's not you know you shouldn't have to put that on the referees. Now I know that you know it's it's still not fair to them that 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 this point two points are taken away. But again, don't don't lose these points so that way you don't leave it in, in the hands of the ref. It's just like whenever you know teams are down by a lot and then they try to come back. And I never going to favor that team. The team who goes down by t- 10 or 20 and then they're complaining that it's the ref's fault. It's just like, you know, you, you, got, you had the chance, you had so many chances, not just the overtimes. All right, Stephen. So let's, so we'll basically see Spurs cast listeners, what happens there with that Houston game. Uh, next, let's discuss the new possibilities for Lonnie Walker's new role. So, you know, I'm not going to get into the traditional stats because Lonnie really hasn't played a lot. Um, except for like a lot of garbage time. And then, and then he's got sporadic more, more consistently. He's been getting um, minutes here and there, but he's consistently been behind Marco Bellinelli and Damari Carroll in the rotation for pop. So now, uh, well, not really Damari, he's kind of ahead of him, but anyway, uh, pop gave him a lot of minutes here in Houston. He made the most of it. You know, he really showed great defense and, and offense. He just kind of broke out there, uh, shoots 10 of 18 against Houston, 56% from the floor. makes four, seven threes, 57%. Uh, just some notes I took on him on offense. He's not afraid of missing. Uh, you know, he, he talked about that after the game. He's like, I know Pop would have chewed me out if I would have missed that shot, the, that that big three that he took. But he's like, I'm not scared. He's like, I'm going to take the shot. I'm very confident in myself. He's like, that's why I'm out there. He's like, he's like I don't shine. You know, he basically saying like he doesn't shy away from the pressure. Right. Uh, something else I noted on him on offense is that he's just so fast. I mean, like DeRozan, Aldridge, I'm not Aldridge, DeRozan, White, and, and Murray, they, they a lot of times need to pick to get rid of their defender and kind of create space for themselves. Lonnie is just so fast that he can try to just get, get by the defenders one-on-one a lot of times he doesn't really need a um a a, a screen or, or or a pick from, from from one of his teammates he can kind of just get by his defender now as far as his uh, finishing it you know will obviously need some work but he's really young but that's what i mean it's just like he's so quick off the first step that, that that's that's something that's very um you know interesting for san antonio going forward uh, with their future with him and uh, also on offense you know he's he, when when he's out there uh they're they're uh they're scoring 106 po- uh, points per 100 according to cleaning the glass so uh what did you what, what do you let's just fo- first focus on his offense what what do you think about his offense and is there anything else you want to add there yeah i mean for his offensive game i mean we've seen it on twitter and people analysts are saying oh lonnie can't shoot lonnie can shoot and i mean it's just a matter of getting his him into a rhythm and you said it paul you know having lonnie play those garbage minutes is not going to help but you and i talked about this last time i was on and you and i both said it lonnie has to earn those minutes when he's out there take advantage of, of, of both sides of the ball not just offensively defense as well and he wasn't doing it at the time he had a very good game um I, I believe it was against Detroit when they were down by lost by thirty something points. I kind of zoned out half to halfway through that game, if I'm honest. So, yeah. um, I mean, so I mean, Lonnie's proven himself this past couple of this past week. He has, and offensively, a couple of things I like. He's explosive, uh, explosive mm-hmm. going to the rim, pull up from three. We saw him hit four threes against the Rockets. Um, he likes to, he he's a slasher. He can drive to the paint. He can pull up from mid range. There's a lot of things he can do offensively. That, and again, I don't mean it disrespectfully, but uh, that Lamarcus Aldridge, Demar Derozan can't really do consistently. Uh, Demar is not known for his three point shooting. I mean, that's just a fact. I mean, I, given the fact, yes, he did hit some uh, this this past week. He did, I believe, what three, four, something like that. So he hit some threes, but he's not known for his threes. That's that's just the truth. Whereas Lonnie proved 
in even last season when the whenever the Spurs beat Kawhi here uh, in with uh, Toronto, he had a three in garbage time. So he's known for his offensive capabilities. I mean, th- that's what I'm more excited about with Lonnie is his offensive firepower that he can bring to this starting lineup. And I'll even say this, Paul, I don't know if you'll agree, but I'm advocating maybe even starting him a game, taking Bruno Forbes out of that starting five, maybe. And, oh, and okay, you're going a little ahead of me. We're gonna we're gonna get to that actually because I <laughs> okay, we're gonna, that's actually part of part of this discussion. So perfect. we'll get there though about, right. about yeah, that's that's definitely in, in the part about his role. Okay, yeah, perfect. and okay. I, I totally agree with you. Everything you said there on offense, um, just you know, like like you said, I mean, he's he's not a he can be you know he, in summer league he showed he was more of a mid range shooter, but at that point, but I mean, he's he's so raw offensive. I mean, like so raw in his NBA professional career that right. he can become a volume three point shooter if he really works at it. And you just see him; mean, he, he's not afraid. I think that the biggest thing is that like it's different when you're just like you know taking threes and, and crunch time and getting a good percentage. The fact that like this dude had the pressure on him with the last two minutes of the game and he's making uh, open corner. Th- Threes. He's doing pull-up uh, threes uh, in overtime and stuff. I mean, that's really, really um, like interesting um, kind of data right there. The fact that he's doing this stuff in crunch time, not not like in, in a random game when you're down by 10 or up by 10, you know, when there's no pressure on you. He, the, all the pressure was on him, and he, and he stepped up to the plate and delivered. Now let's focus on the defense, Steven. This is obviously the area of the floor where um, why he was basically having to earn those minutes. You know, right. I, I know that. Fans got upset because Marco Bellinelli, you know, is not going to be a great defender ever, but he was always ahead of Lonnie in the rotation. <laughs> and, you know, that's the spirit pop was just basically, so they would get upset that Lonnie has so much potential defensively compared to Marco, uh, and, but he just never could get those minutes. So Pop basically kind of called him out on the, after that first Clippers game early on in the season. And ever since then, uh, you know, he's kind of kind of bided his time and, and just tried to take advantage of his minutes. And, and he's been showing it, you know, like you mentioned these last, uh, you know, this last week or so when he's been really um, getting more minutes because he's been earning Pop's trust. And I mean, this game showed it. I mean, defensively, the tools that he has, he's, um, you know, as according to the NBA's matchup data, he, he was the main guy who guarded James Harden in this game when you look at the partial possessions. Uh, and then after that, it was DeJounte Murray and then Derek White. Uh, he holds James Harden to 2 of 11 shooting in this matchup data. Um, Harden did get six free throws against him, but I mean, Harden got free throws against everybody on the team. And 24, I mean, Harden got Harden got more free throws than 17 other Spurs opponents in this one game. It was it was crazy that the stats that he this guy gets to the free throw line. Anyway, but I mean, Stephen, you just look at him and and you just look at the stance he gets in defensively. He's kind, he's so fast that he that he can use this to his advantage on defense, where he can kind of just go step step to step with with the offensive player, the guy who's dribbling it, and they can't really get it right from him. I mean, if he can play this well against James Harden, who's basically putting up 50 points. Put up sixty points. Who, who, who's a potential um, MVP candidate again? I mean that that's that just shows you that that, that, that the ceiling is untapped for him on defense as well as offense. Um, you know when it, it's a very small small sample size. I think it's only nine players that he that he's that he's had a guard when there's um, over three possessions of data uh, for this. But uh, when he's when he's a, his primary matchups are only shooting twenty six percent against him. Um, so I mean the, the numbers are there when he's on the court. The Spurs are holding teams to one hundred one point six points per one hundred. And in 91 non-garbage minutes overall, according to Cleaning the Glass, the Spurs are a plus 4.7. So again, I know that he mostly only plays in garbage times so far the majority of the season. But in the real minutes that he's been given, the Spurs are you know uh, outscoring teams and, and holding them uh, uh, low to lower numbers defensively. So what do you think about his defense uh, capabilities? Well, you're right, Paul. That's the main reason why Lonnie was <clears> – <throat> excuse me. That's why he was uh, benched uh, early on is because of his lack of defense early in the season. Uh, we saw him just not really interested defensively. He kind of let his man go by. He really just didn't have that aware defensive awareness that, as you said, even though Marco can't hit the side of a barn half the time, at least he's capable defensively to do something. But um, 
you we're not in practice. You're not in practice. I'm not in practice. We don't see those guys, those drills that they go through. I mean, that's just for the for the Spurs and their own, their coaching staff to look at the guys, and that's what I think is is happening here. Lonnie has done some work defensively. He whatever's been going on in practice, whatever the whatever they've been talking about, whatever schemes they've been running, he's his brain is like a sponge soaking it up right now. And we see it on the court right now. You talk about James Harden. Yeah, he had a two, to, two of 11 shooting. Yeah, he had six free throws against him. But as you said, I think pretty much you and I may be a foul James Harden too just by watching the game. I don't even know what happened. But I mean, so, you know, that's that that's typical James Harden. But think of this. You, he, he also, I believe for a, br- a brief moment, he defended Russell Westbrook as well. I think that's where he got that yeah. steal. Yeah, mm-hmm. that's where he got that steal. So, I mean... Um, Russell Westbrook's a damn explosive point guard. He's very, very good. And he did that to Russell Westbrook. But also, I want to see him go up against like LeBron James, uh, against some of these other guys who are superstars. And if, as you said, if you can do it against James Harden, you can do it against typically anybody, uh, even Giannis. I mean, there's there's teams, there's players out there. He, he hasn't even, his first time played and he hasn't had a chance to guard. But I'm excited to see him get that opportunity. But what I like, uh, Paul, about his defense is you say he's very quick. He's very, very quick on both sides of the ball. His footwork, the way uh, the way he uses his hands, he doesn't he does not put his hands low. He doesn't put his hands near the chest. He keeps always the hands up. He puts them in the face of the defender. I mean, in the face of of, his, of the player he's defending. And so, right there, that's that's typical Spurs defense. I'm I'm used to seeing from from guys and. Never mind. And I know we like we don't like talking about Kawhi on the show anymore, but I'm kidding. But I mean, um, that's yeah. where that reminds me of Kawhi. I mean, it took me back to the 2014 yeah. finals yep. where Kawhi had the hand in LeBron's face, couldn't really see LeBron, could not see anything in front of him because Kawhi was that close to him. And that's what it reminded me of him uh, and him and uh, uh, Dejounte Murray have a similar defensive style. And I mean, I think the possibilities are endless for Lonnie Walker if he can continue to play like that consistently. Yeah, and he mentioned that after the game. Basically, he said, you know, pop, you know, pops told me that if they, basically, like, in order for him to play, he needs to, he, he, he needs him to be his defensive stopper. Is what he actually quoted as what he said. What pop told him, you know, I want you to be the defensive stopper first. So, so I mean, he knows that's the only way he's getting on the court, and so he's starting to show that for pop, and that's the reason why he's getting awarded with all these, uh, these increases in minutes. And, and we obviously see what 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 he's able to do um, offensively. Because I mean, at the end of the day, he's gonna make he's gonna make mistakes on offense. I mean, we know he's a young player, like I mentioned. He's he 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 still has some decision making when he gets he's so fast he, i think he's too fast for himself like where he doesn't know what, what his next decision is because he's so fast he's like he's like i just got by my defender and my guy's still back back behind me but then he doesn't know what to do when he's right there in front of the bigs or you know when, when the paint's kind of clogged up so that's going to come along in time but as long as he wants to, he can make mistakes on offense basically the problem is he just got to make sure he's con- consistently executing on defense giving his his all there because i mean that's where that's when you're really going to get pops respect and where you're really going to continue to be okay with making some mistakes on, on offense as long as you're playing consistent 100 defense you're going to be fine and Pop's going to let you make those mistakes on offense, uh, and, and you're going to get you're going to get more of a green light too, like like how we saw him get there in the fourth quarter and in overtime uh, to shoot the ball and just make some some crazy plays like that if he wants to. So yeah, he's been really impressive. So now let's actually go to the question that you were you were kind of uh, addressing a while ago. So earlier today, uh, five hours ago exactly, uh, I had put out a Twitter poll because I was just you know I, I was at lunch and I was just like 
you know, I, I really wonder where, where Spurs fans' um, heads are at. You know, where, where their confidence is at. There, I was kind of taking a te- temperature check on their on their Lonnie Walker fandom and just seeing, you know, after this one breakout game, where do they actually think that he's at? Do you think they, they think he needs to be a starter right now, or do they think that he's just kind of he should at least let him get let him kind of earn it a little bit more by coming off the bench consistently and definitely being ahead of Bellinelli and Demari Carroll in the rotation? So I so I put out a, a Twitter poll and six hundred fifty four people responded here. So actually, very surprisingly, they were very tempered, uh, the responses. All, 60%, the majority, say that he should still come off the bench but be, be ahead of Bellinelli and Carroll. 39%, though, almost 40%, say that he should be a starter, probably over Brent Forbes, like you were saying. And then only 1%, I don't know who this person was or a group of people, put he should, uh, he should still be behind Bellinelli and Carroll. I don't think that. I think that – I think we both agree, right, that he's ahead of Bellinelli and Carroll now oh, at this God, point. Oh, God, Yes. <laughs> yeah, so I think that fans will still continue to, and I don't blame the fans if they get upset if, if Pop, you know, the next game starts putting Bellinelli in uh, ahead of Lonnie uh, before when, when he goes to those, those second units at the back of small forward. So, so let's discuss this because you you were somebody who was for him starting right now. You're with that 39 percent the the minority in this, and then uh, and uh, I'm kind of actually with you, but I'm not also I'm not against either side. Honestly, like I'm cool with both. Like I'm I'm cool with starting him. I'm cool with him coming off the bench still. So let's first do the pros and cons here of the starting unit. So. So let's talk about some, some some pros here. Obviously, defensively, you're going to get better because you're going to probably lose Forbes, uh, who's a minus defender. So then you're just going to have one probably weak link on, on the on the defensive side on the starting lineup uh, with uh, just Demar. That that that's okay because then you have Derek White and Lonnie who can kind of make up for a lot of his mistakes when teams target him. So that's that's a plus. I think uh, one of the minuses is, is your spacing on offense. The fact that like you know I I know he looked great in that fourth quarter, but we got to see it for a whole like you know fifteen to twenty games is he really right. an outside threat? You know how much your team's going to leave him open because. In that starting lineup, I know Derek's shooting it well, but Derek's still a very low-volume type of three-point shooter. Uh, he doesn't really shoot it, and, and Forbes is pretty much all their, their volume three-point shooting. Forbes is like their guy that, that kind of makes up that entire starting unit because LaMarcus doesn't take a lot of threes. De, De, DeRozan, like you said, doesn't take a lot of threes. Whether you're starting Gay uh, at the four, he doesn't take a lot. Of, he's, he's not a high-volume three-point shooter, and he's struggling from his three. And then, of course, we know Jakob Pertl's not, not a three-point three shooter. So so first, uh, tell me what, what you see there in the pros and cons of starting him in the, in, in the starting lineup. Well, let me just correct uh, something you said, which was I'm uh, I'm a fan of him starting. I am a fan of him starting. You cut me off before I could finish last. Oh my time. bad. Yeah, yeah, it's all good. <laughs> yeah, hey, I'm a fan of him starting too, dude. I, I even I tweeted it, but then I deleted it. <laughs> yeah, I, I am a fan of him starting. I'm a hundred percent. And I'll tell you, I, I'm like you. I see it both ways. Would I start some uh, Friday against Sacramento? Probably not. And I'll tell you why. I want to see if Lonnie can do this consistently. It was one mm-hmm. game. Yeah. And. I'm not. I don't need Spurs Twitter hammering me. You know, no. It was he had a great game. I'm not saying he didn't. I want to see if Lonnie can get. Let's say he comes in sec, uh, first quarter for for uh, in place of Bellinelli. Let's say he does that, and he comes in for Demar, and let's say he, he he does well. He 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 shoots well. He defends well. Has another not not maybe not 28 points, but let's say he has a nice solid game. And so let's say the night when they have those four days off, they play Cleveland next. Let's say he has another solid game. I was given that week, this, that next, this next week of games, to see if he can stay consistent. If he can stay consistent, if I'm Pop, I take Forbes out of the starting lineup, put Lonnie in, and make it uh, LaMarcus, if he's healthy, of course, because he has that thigh injury going on right now. So it will be LaMarcus, Yata, Damar, Lonnie, and apparently Derek White right now, because Derek White's uh, the starter for right now, or for the time moving forward at least. So I think that's a very good starting unit defensively. You have mm-hmm. Jakob, who has been playing out of his mind the past week. I mean, I, I'm very impressed with Jakob. 
we we talk, already talked about Lonnie defensively. Uh, Derek White ha- has shown capability to play some good defense. Uh, Lamarcus can clog the paint up with um, Jakob. So that's a very good uh, starting unit right there. What I, okay, what I will say to not start him is what I just said. I don't know if he's ready to be a starter at this moment because of that inconsistency. Not just him, but the entire Spurs team has. And yeah. Britton Forbes is the main is one guy I will look to and say who's inconsistent. I mean, the guy has played very well last year. He had a very good season. This time in this past, and I, again, I'm not calling him specifically out. I'm saying the entire team has struggled. But if you're looking at someone who's popish with lying to be consistent offensively, he's one of those guys. And he has not brought, I believe he went like 0 for 8 or 0 for 5 in threes a couple of games ago. Um, yeah. Rudy Gay went, went 1 of 8. So, I mean, the, your veteran guys are the ones that need to be um, consistent and, and making their shots. Um, and I consider, even though he's still young, I consider Forbes a, a veteran at this point. And if he's not pulling his weight, and Lonnie is, I say Pop needs to make the switch. Yeah, I, I totally see that argument. You know, uh, I, I actually I, I agree there too. Like you know, like like I said, I can see either way because this is a team that's still six games below five hundred. So I'm cool with Lonnie starting now because you know what do you have to lose? I mean, you're already you're already so far that's behind uh, as a win loss team. But I also understand your point, Stephen. Let's first see him and a good amount of data. You know, do this consistently off the bench first, and you know if he continues to do this or if Forbes keeps struggling. Uh, there, then I definitely, you know, I'm cool with it. You know, maybe just get bringing him off after a week or so or, or two weeks after like maybe like five or 10 games of, of data is collected and seeing how, how he's producing as, as the, the backup uh, player behind DeRozan. So yeah, so I'm, I'm cool with either way. I think, uh, it, you know, when you look at it, as far as him coming off the bench, if that's the way you're arguing, um, you know, there's a lot of pros and cons there. Him and DeJounte are trying to create some chemistry there defensively uh, in that second unit where, where uh, you know, I, there was just a lot of possessions in that first half against the Rockets where it was like DeJounte, Trey Lyles, and Lonnie, and they could just easily switch on Harden and Westbrook, uh, you know, whenever they wanted to on, on the strong side because, you know, they're just uh, three of those. Even though Lyles is a, isn't a great, great defender, he's a, he's a switchy defender when he's guarding somebody smaller than him that's not like a huge big. Uh, and so it was working out, and you could just tell, you know, when you have Lonnie and DeJounte, you have so much athleticism on defense there. Uh, and then when, when Lonnie's locked in on defense you just have another plus defender out there alongside the DeJounte um so again defensively on the second unit they're going to work out fine uh and then offensively it gives DeJounte a running mate because I know that that DeJounte is constantly you know he wants to get out of the break but he plays with, with a lot of guys that are that are just that just don't run anymore at, at this point in their career they're a lot of more veteran players so he doesn't have a lot of youth with him but him and Lonnie if they kind of start getting going like they were against Minnesota a few nights ago I mean that can be really interesting they could just start start running teams off the court uh, not, not off the court but you know what I mean just running out running second units because that's where they got to start seeing some production now that they've lost um uh, Derek White from that second unit and, and Jakob Pertl so and then of course you know they have some space to go Patty Mills out there uh so so yeah, I, I'm I'm cool with either way. Honestly, like I'm not I'm not you know this poll was very interesting. That 60. percent I, I was actually really like I guess I would say proud of this person because you know normally on Spurs Twitter you think that they're going to be like oh Lonnie needs to start tomorrow, but they were actually really tempered. Like I said, like they're actually honest about it. They were like they're kind of like like you know what you said. Like, you know, let's see him do this more than just one game and then give him the starting out. So I'm cool with either group. Honestly, I, I will obviously I, I would I would I would be like looking at it like what is going on if if Bellinelli checks in you know ahead of him in these next few games and he's still having to earn his spot of, at least as, of still being that third backup small forward. So. What's up? Go ahead. No, I was going to say that this is what concerns me about this. Um, and I'm interested to see your take on it because Damari Kara had a very good game a few games ago, or a couple weeks ago, I should say now. Very good game. Very solid minutes. Uh, defended well. Hit some shots. But mainly his defense was the reason he was out there. Yeah. Then 
he got benched. You, you never saw him again until uh, uh, Wednesday against or Tuesday against Houston. So yeah. are you? I'm more concerned. This might happen to Lonnie, where Lonnie has a breakout game like this, then he gets benched for a few games, plays again, benched for a few games. That's my concern. Am I wrong to be concerned about that, or do you think that uh, Pop will make a change because Lonnie has proven himself and kind of shown he's willing to adapt to his new role? Yeah. So I mean, if 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 uh, Carol, I mean, if Lonnie struggles again, and I know I know we've seen that where where Lonnie or Carol could have a, a decent game, and then all of a sudden Pop still goes to Bellinelli as as the main option. I think that this what's different about this case is that Lonnie kind of showed that he's like he, he's one of those rare guys who can kind of just take over a game, and then the, the kind of skills he saw there defensively and he was how he was guarding Harden. I think that might be a different case, but I mean, you're not wrong, Stephen. I you know we've seen from Pop that that you know at the end of the day he's still gonna he's still going to Bellinelli as, as his default you know backup small forward right now to to. DeMar DeRozan yeah yeah I, I think so too I mean it, it, with DeMar I mean I don't know <laughs> I don't know where my, where yeah. my thought process was yeah, you're right I, I agree with what you're saying because I mean if, if I'm Pop and it's Carroll is very good too there is a very good mm-hmm. defender and you need it's hard to find minutes for just about everybody honestly mm-hmm. I think Trey Lyles really uh, kind of the the fact that Trey Lyles was, was playing so well and popularly liked what he whatever whatever Trey Lyles, what Trey Lyles showed on, on the defensive end in training camp and in the preseason is what Pop really liked because that's the reason why he started him and then also he continues to give him those those old Davis Bertans minutes because uh, now that Rudy's starting or Rudy's kind of there with him and and Pop likes to play either only Jakob and Lamarcus either together or else one of them uh, with that backup unit so I think that Carroll's situation is that there's like like you said there's no minutes and then you have Lonnie upcoming you still have Bellinelli there it's really hard and you know for them to to get him those kind of minutes like I. Like I say, I think I think that they just didn't see Lyles playing this well, and that's kind of what's throwing off where, where Damari's minutes should be coming from. Because I really thought that Damari would be getting um, um, Davis Bertans' old minutes as like that that secondary uh, power forward behind Rudy Gay and Lamarcus. Um, all right, Stephen. So you mentioned this name earlier. Uh, you mentioned Jakob Pertl. I really want to talk about him. Let's now highlight uh, Jakob Pertl's play so far. So you know when you look at the traditional box score, you know Jakob, you might just you just see 19 minutes a game. 5.7 points, 6.2 rebounds. And that's like, oh, you know, that doesn't really stick out too much. But when you really dig into the, to him and some of his advanced numbers, I mean, the, and you see it on the court with the eye test. I mean, the guy has played really well for the Spurs. He's really helping them on both ends. Uh, let's first talk about him on offense. Um, you know, the team's a plus eight uh, points per 100 when he's on the court. Uh, some of the pluses for him, he knows his role really well. You know, he doesn't you, he doesn't take up possessions. He doesn't clog your possessions uh, by needing post-ups or, 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 or taking, you know, bad shots. He just sets a pick or he sets a screen for his teammates and then he rolls to the rim or he kind of gets out of the way. Uh, he's really good at crashing the offensive glass. According to cleaning the glass, he's uh, grabbing 11.5% of the Spurs' misses, which is which ranks him in the 88th percentile amongst big men right now. Um, so, I mean, that's a place he's giving you more possessions on offense. I think the only area you see some, some – it's kind of – Kind of an, an, an area of to watch out for, but also the data doesn't show it. Is uh, he kind of? I know that since he's not a, a three point shooting kind of big or, or pick and pop type of big, he limits your spacing. I, I see that a lot in the half court, but the numbers actually look well for him in the half court. They're they're a plus six point five points per one hundred in the half court. So, uh, what do you want to say about about Jakob on offense? You know, Jakob offensively. I mean, he he he's done well. I mean, I, I when they first, the Spurs first traded for Jakob, uh, sorry, traded for Demar. Jakob was part of the package in, last season. I was a little skeptical because I never knew who he was. <laughs> I didn't know who he was. I just, yeah. I just really played for Toronto. That's all I knew. And I looked up his stats, as one does whenever you get a new player on your team. And and I liked what he did in Toronto. So I think if if he, I was hoping he was not going to be one of those guys that pop sticks on the bench in garbage time. And thankfully, he has not been. Jakob 
Jakob in the starting lineup has changed the Spurs team, and I'll tell you why. Trey Lyles was out there for his offense. He can hit threes on occasion. And when he wasn't doing that early on, Pop made the switch to Jakob. And I think LaMarcus even said after one of the games, I feel more comfortable with Jakob next to me. And we're seeing that. We're seeing LaMarcus play a lot better uh, when he's healthy, he plays a lot better um, with Jakob next to him. You have that secondary big man next to you. I know, I know it's non-traditional for this for in the NBA now to have two big men out there, but I mean, with the Spurs struggling the way they have been, they found something that that is working for them, and that's great. So Jakob offensively, I mean, when you say he sets screens hard, he he rolls hard, he goes to the basket. Uh, he does he does well in the pick and pop uh, with 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 the John T. Murray and Derek White. He he the big biggest thing is he rolls the basket. That's the biggest thing because yeah. Lamarcus yep. Sowers does not roll to the basket like he used to. Yep. So mm-hmm. I mean that's the biggest thing, and that's the biggest one of the bigger things for the Spurs is that Jakob cleans up the glass. So he offensively offensive rebound, get the glass, puts it back in. So that's that's the main reason why Jakob is out there. And I'm you you're you're the stats man for Project Spurs, Paul. So I mean, you could tell me if 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 the Spurs paint game or Spurs paint uh, defense has gotten better since Jakob has been in. But oh. to to me, yeah. it, it it looks about the same. But I mean, Jakob Jakob has I think def- uh, offensively really helped this Spurs team in a way I didn't even expect him to do. Yeah, no, no. Now we're going to jump into the defense number because this is actually where he's getting his, you know, like you mentioned, getting the starting role back. And then also just the, the, why he keeps getting minutes with Pop is because he's earning it on the defensive end. Let's look here at some of these numbers defensively. I mean, these are, these are some really interesting numbers here. So, uh, you know, they're, they're holding teams to five points. Uh, minus five points per 100 when he's on the court overall in the half court there it's also minus five so that's a good thing for the spurs uh presence at the rim i wrote down here he's getting 1.3 blocks i mean we've already seen him tie his career high in blocks like five games i mean five blocks already like three games already i think it is this season um he's blocking 3.4 percent of the spurs uh, of the opponent's uh, uh, shot attempts which is a um uh, in block percentage, that's the 84th percentile, so almost elite there. Teams are shooting 11.8% worse at the rim, according to Cleaning the Glass. That is in the 98th percentile amongst big men. Again, 98th percentile amongst all big men. Teams are shooting 11.8% worse when Jakob's there on the court at the rim. Uh, when you look at the NBA's data, teams are shooting 57% in the restricted areas, so that's um, that's actually the second best on the Spurs in terms of the lowest percentage for an opponent. In the non-restricted area, which is where a lot of teams' floaters come by, you see them putting his hands up a lot to kind of contest the shots well guess what teams are shooting terrible there too they're only shooting 33.6 percent from the non-restricted area against Jakob which is first amongst any Spurs player I'm looking up this numbers these numbers so that's just his presence he provides at the rim like you said I mean when he's out there it's harder for teams to score on them uh you know some of his data doesn't look so good because a lot of times you know with shooting teams like Carl Anthony Towns, for example, he'll pull them out to the three-point line. And so then, of course, if a defender gets by and they score in the paint against DeMar DeRozan or Brent Forbes or someone, well, then it looks bad on Jakob because he was on the floor at the time. So so that's kind of some skeptical, some, some some areas to watch. But it's not again, it's not really his fault. When he's near the rim, he is a presence and a force there. Um, he also ends possessions. He's grabbing 18.6% of opponents' missed shots, which is in the 60, 63rd percentile amongst big men. Um, he, you know, foul numbers, he doesn't foul too much. 1.9 fouls per game, which is, which is like right below, um, he's just 3.9% of foul percentage, which is like in the 40th percentile amongst big. So it's not, it's not horrible, but it's just like 
right about league average is what we would say. Uh, I think the only area that you got to watch out for him being on the court defensively is that opponents do shoot more threes and they shoot better threes because him and LaMarcus, their style for the Spurs is to play that drop back position so that, you know, when you run a pick and roll with them, they're going to kind of drop back and protect the paint first before the three point line. And so he's playing with a lot of guys outside of, like we mentioned, like Derek and DeJounte and now Lonnie. But aside from that, a lot of the other Spurs players are minus defenders. So, so they're not able to kind of help and recover there on the three point line. So teams are shooting a plus three. 3.7 3.7 from three whenever Jakob's out there, uh, their accuracy, which is in the 28th percentile, which is not very good. But again, it's because of the system the Spurs play and also his teammates that, that are kind of covering the wings don't help him out there. So that's the one concern is that a three point, a high three point shooting team with a lot of volume can be kind of dangerous when you have Jakob out there. But, um, you know, it just, it really just depends on, on, on who they're playing to and, and what kind of, of, of matchups. Uh, according to the matchup data, his primary matchups are shooting 52%. But again, a lot of that's just, again, where he was on the court when they, when they finished those possessions. So I know, I know I read you a lot of numbers there. Um, and it definitely matches what you said, your, your, your eye test. Uh, is that kind of what you're seeing? Yeah, I mean, for sure. I mean, defensively, Jakob, as I said, that's the reason why I think Pop even put him back in the starting time is for his offense. I mean, he blocked shots well. I mean, he, he blocked Hawaii, which got the AT&T center rocking on Friday. Uh, he blocked yeah. Kawhi twice, actually. I, I, I still couldn't believe that after watching it twice. And I, I think he blocked Harden, didn't he? He blocked, Har- he blocked Harden. He blocked yeah. R- Russell Westbrook once in the win against uh, – well, win against Houston. <laughs> so, um, you know – The, uh, the uh, what is it? How do you say uh, uh, will we'll be continued win? <laughs> yeah, so that's what I'm saying is like defensively he has really, really stepped it up. and I, I, More so than a year ago. I mean, he was good defensively last year, but this year, I mean, he's at another level. I joked around with John uh, on Twitter. I was like, yeah, he's, he's playing for that Supermax is what he's playing for right now because, I mean, <laughs> the guy was playing out of his mind. I mean, and again, I talk about consistency, Paul. If the Spurs can be, can, excuse me, be consistent, Jakob defensively, Jakob offensively, Lonnie Walker – then the Spurs can get out of this hole. They will be able to get out of this hole sooner rather than later if they can just kind of get it together. And we're about 20, 22 games, something like that, into the season right now. So this is the time. You're about a quarter of the way through a season. So this is about the time you need to start turning it on. But Jakob Perto defensively, as you said, um, they're shooting, I believe, I think you said they're shooting worse now that he's back defensively on the court. Um, yeah, teams are. Teams are shooting worse, yeah. Yeah, so teams are shooting worse with him. Uh, on the court, so that's that's good news for the Spurs. I mean, it's for the for the Spurs who can who also can struggle offensively themselves. That's good news for the Spurs. So Jakob, I'm a huge fan of him being back in the starting five for sure. So so now, Stephen, this is where the this is where the the Jakob conversation gets really interesting. Check out some of these numbers. So when he's on the floor by himself without Aldridge, that's 864 possessions according to Cleaning the Glass. Right. The Spurs overall are a plus 4.2 points per 100. So they're a plus. Now. I know that a lot of that data comes off of um, when he was at the second unit because that second unit before Pop put all, Jakob in the starting unit, they were actually playing really well with Patty Mills, Bellinelli, Jakob, um, Rudy Gay, you know, that, that whole lineup, Derek White, even Derek White too when he got taken out of the second unit. So that second – so that a lot of that data might be coming from that second unit because they, they were playing – you know, they're playing against a lot of backups. Now, when he and Aldridge are together so far this season in 147 possessions, the Spurs are a minus 9.1 points per 100. So I know it's early. But right now, the two of them on the court it just hasn't worked out. Um, you know, is it when it's just looking at th- those two players? Uh, and here's another interesting stat: when it's just Aldridge in the lineup and no Jakob, the Spurs in 1,373 possessions this year, they're a minus 8.2 points per 100. So 
I know they're just numbers, but you obviously see that when he's the set, the, the five, um, you know, and, and then they could play like more shooters around him. And he can kind of, like you said, on offense, kind of just roll and set screens or on defense, kind of just be the, the primary guy at the rim. Uh, the, the numbers at least are showing that, that they're a plus right now. Uh, so what do you think about that? The fact that, you know, they're going to, once LaMarcus does get healthy from this right thigh soreness, uh, they're going to have to figure something out too to keep them both, you know, p- productive. I mean, th- that's, that's where I'm concerned. <laughs> I mean, that's where I'm concerned. I, mean, I, I don't want to speculate because I don't want to be that guy. Oh, Steven speculated. No, I don't want to be that guy. What I will say is this. Hey, I'm just, I'm not speculating, Steven. I'm just reading your numbers that are very, very <laughs> yes. interesting. Yes, you are. And, 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 and what's that saying? Numbers don't lie. Or the facts don't lie or something like that. So you're right. The numbers do not lie. What you're writing is, or what you're reading to me is true. Because I, you are the stats guy for us and I do trust you, but I worry Oh, I, I hate saying this. It's gonna, it's gonna start up this whole. Oh, Lamarcus needs to trade. You know, that's not what I'm saying. What I'm saying is this: Lamarcus Aldridge kind of is damaging this team. <laughs> and I, what I mean by that is, hold on, <laughs> hold on. What I mean by that is this: he, he, when the, I forget who it was. The Spurs are playing in some game. You might remember more than I would because I go to school and everything's crammed together right now. So the Spurs are playing some game. They were down big. They they were at home too. They come back and they're at home. LaMarcus is on the bench. He comes back in and suddenly everything goes to crap and the Spurs end up losing that game. I don't remember which game it was, but it happened. I know that. So mm-hmm. LaMarcus has been out now two games. And forget the Detroit game, but this Houston game, I'm going to show what the Spurs could be without him. And I, I'm not saying the Spurs need to trade him. I'm not saying they need to get rid of him because I don't think it's going to happen anyway. I'm not suggesting that. What I'm saying is, and you're correct, Paul, is the Spurs and Pop and the coaching staff need to find a way to make LaMarcus and Jakob productive at the same time. Now, Jakob, I'm sorry, excuse me, LaMarcus loves his touches. We know this. LaMarcus is that rhythm shooter type of player, as is DeMar DeRozan. And now Jakob Pernos in the mix. <laughs> and... Jakob, I think, is more effective right now offensively on a consistent basis in this past week than LaMarcus has been in the past month. And because Jakob can actually roll, he does the screens well, he does pick and pop well, he, he, him and LaMarcus do that high-low very, very well together when they're on the court mm-hmm. together. It's that kind of the same situation with Paul Gasol that we saw a few years ago. But... LaMarcus needs to figure out how to play with Jakob and have them both be productive at the same time. And that's my concern, Paul, moving forward, is that can LaMarcus, Jakob, Jamar, Lonnie, if he's out there, can they find a way to mesh as one unit at the same time? Because you even said this to me when I was on last time. You told me it looked like at that time when I was on, they were like one in four, whatever it was, or sorry, three and four, whatever the heck the record was. Um, You were telling me, it looks like four, or excuse me, five individuals playing mm-hmm. and not a team game. So that's my concern for this team moving forward: is can they those main players find a way to mesh together? Yeah, no, no, it, it, it's very interesting because you know, like I mentioned, you know, 
they're not going to take when he comes back. Lamarcus is not going to lose his starting spot. We just know that him and DeRozan, those are like the two guys that get their spots locked up on this team because they're, they're they're the they're the two um you know go to guys right now on this team. But like you know, it, it's it's just interesting numbers and and you know like I said, the Spurs are. I think you're going to see a lot more uh, defensively. They can get a little bit better because when they have more more wing players out there with uh, just one traditional big, right. whether it's Alder or Jakob. But then also, you know, we'll just see what happens. You know, they obviously got to figure it out. So it's like I mentioned, those numbers with Jakob and, and Lamarcus together, it's a very smaller sample size. The other ones had like over 800 each uh, possessions. They, they've only played together 147 possessions. So it, so it hasn't been a lot of time uh, before Lamarcus got here, hurt here with this right thigh soreness. But, I mean, you're seeing that if they could come back against one of the better teams that's uh, in the Western Conference against Houston uh, without without Aldridge, I mean, they, it shows that, that this team has, has played really – that can play really well. They can get to, 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 to a really good level. Uh, uh, against certain opponents, um, so so we'll kind of see what happens, uh, you know, when Lamarcus comes back and and whether or not whether Pop starts him and, him and Jakob together, uh, if they're going to continue to to kind of keep that going and, and be stay productive, uh, or like we saw against the Clippers where the Clippers played more wing players, so Pop actually benched Jakob and started Aldridge instead uh, next to um, Rudy Gay, so that could also be the situation if Aldridge yeah. comes back, maybe Jakob goes to the bench, so we'll kind of see what happens. Um, you know, it's an interesting time for the Spurs. You know, for me, I guess uh, it, it was good to finally get on an episode and record and talk about some positive things like like Jakob, like Lonnie, because they, you know, this is one of the ones where like, you know, the past few weeks they've been, they were on those losing streaks and it was hard. Yeah. Like I was telling, I was telling Michael DeLone last week, it's like, it's hard to find a lot. I, I know on Twitter, I seem very negative right now because a lot of my, it's all negative numbers. I'm not going to, you know, I'm not I'm just going to lie. I mean, right. they're out there. They're, you know, just because. You know, they're, they're, they're what, one in 13 at one time against and when they trail. So, you know, it was good today just to talk to you and also just to talk about some positivity with this team because now they're, it was like weird when I was actually uh, getting ready my notes for this episode. I was like, oh my gosh, they're two and two in my last, in the last four games since I last recorded. This is like the first time, this is the first time in a long time that they've actually have a 500 at least since I've, since, but in between the weeks that I record. So, so this is, you know, usually I'm, I'm getting on the Spurs kids. They're like, oh, they're one and three. Oh, they're 0 and five at this point. You know, it's just, that's kind of been the, the, the mood with this team. But but now, hey, they got this. They got the, out of the two. You know, it's not good that they lost to Detroit by 34 or to the Timberwolves. But again, I mean, they beat two of the best, two, two of the better teams in the West in, in Houston and the Clippers this, these past f- a few days. So that's a really good sign that this team, there's something in there. Now, I, obviously, we, we both we both that uh, we'll admit even before the season that they're not going to be a championship contender. Right. But we, we did feel that they were both they're a playoff team with this the, the program I mean with the group that they have and so this team has shown that in these games against the, the Rockets and these game against the Clippers that there there's a team in there a competitive team that can kind of figure it out and be pretty good here and what's going to help them is that the the out of um you know outside of Utah at one through six from the Lakers to Utah one through six and I'm looking at the standings right now there's a lot of room for the Spurs to get back in this you know Minnesota's only ten and ten uh, Phoenix is nine eleven so Phoenix is like being in the East right now for 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 the Western teams so there's a chance to still get in this it's not not totally out of the picture for the Spurs in the playoff picture. And again, they just got to put it together and, and we'll see what happens again. Like I mentioned, that's interesting. Some of these numbers when, when, when Aldridge has been out um, and then when, when Jakob is just being your primary guy at the five uh, because he's a low usage player who just does efficient play in terms of rolling at the rim and kind of just doing his role and, and not doing too, too much more. Um, thank you, Stephen, for joining me on this episode. So let me just uh, close out here with a few notes. Um, so before closing this episode, I want to remind you all to visit ProjectSpurs.com. Steven uh, continues to keep you updated with analysis after each game. And this week, Benjamin Bornstein's latest prospect watch focuses on Isaiah Stewart of Washington. Colin Reed also wrote about why a midseason trade involving DeMar DeRozan or LaMarcus Aldridge could be difficult. Be sure to also check out the Project Spurs premium pages if you haven't done so yet. New information is uploaded the night and day after games. As always, thank you to Michael DeLeon for mixing and producing this episode. Be sure to follow Stephen on Twitter at the Stephen A underscore. 
For Steven Anderson, I am Paul Garcia. Thank you, and we want you to have a great evening.